Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. conversation yesterday and a person said uh, really quite boldly, God is not my problem. <laughs> okay. So let's just pause there for a second. Um, if, I mean, God is not your problem, but God is um, sovereign and present and interested in your problems and interested in you. And frankly, if you have a problem with God, you've got like the very biggest problem possible. So just pause there for a moment and consider that. If uh, if you think that God is not your problem because you have so moved away from the idea that God is, or God is relevant, or God is good, or God is merciful, or God is just, or God is love, or God is this redeeming, powerful influence um, who has a will that is being worked out right now in the context of human history, that God has a glory that is revealed that you can know and you can participate in— um, that God has an agenda. Like, if you set all of that aside and willingly disbelieve, then um, God is your problem. And you have a problem, and your problem is God, and you're just outright denial of him. And so I want want us to just pause to consider uh, the friends that we know, the people in our own families, our coworkers, our neighbors, who really do have a really serious God problem. And part of the problem is that they don't think they have a problem with God. And and how we might live today in such a way, pray today in such a way, speak today in such a way, go about the ordinary things of our day today in such a way that others would see that God is genuinely um, the solution to the problems of our life. Like we would actually live in such a way that others would not only see God, right? That's what scripture says. Like we would we would live uh, publicly in such a way um, that others would see our good works and not glorify us, but glorify God who is in heaven. Like that, we're supposed to be these like windows, these conduits, these, these places where people can catch a glimpse. But they're not catching a glimpse of us. They're catching a glimpse of God. And once you've caught a glimpse of God, um, then you want to know him. Like you're like, whoa, like how do I get to know that reality? How do I get some of that glory? How do I draw near to that um, person, personage, entity, reality? God, how do I crawl up into the lap of the Father? As crazy as that may sound, that's the intimate fellowship and relationship God wants with his children. And so people who are living apart from God or denying that uh, God is, uh, is a problem for them, like God really is their problem. And so how do you and I uh, winsomely, joyfully live out the faith today um, in such a way that people would begin to ask the question, hey, what, what's going on over there with Julie or Christina or Bob that, um, that they're facing the same problem I'm facing, like they're living in the same world I'm living in, 
And yet they're living in it with a peace that totally passes my understanding. Like, how is that possible? Well, that's possible because all of our, like, totally heavy burdens and problems have been solved by God. And we walk with him in the midst of the problems of this day. So let me just encourage you to um, to walk out the faith today in ways that um, are winsome and joyful and attractive, that others might not see God as a problem, per se, but but see God as the one who is the living um, solution to the problems in our lives and can be, can be the problem to the solutions, uh, the, the solution to the problems in their life as well. All right. He is actually not the problem, ultimately. Okay, um, so uh, next up, Paul Asay from Plugged In, a ministry of focus on the family. We are going to talk about a range of topics and concerns related to um, big media. We've been talking about social media with Chris Martin. Now we're going to talk about uh, big media like Disney with Paul Asay. We'll be right back. is joining us today from the Ministry of Focus on the Family known as Plugged In. You can find uh, you can find all of their great work at PluggedIn.com. Uh, all right, so let's, um, Paul, let's, let's start with uh, one movie review, and that is Emma. You got it. You got it. Yeah, Emma is uh, the, the, probably the only movie that's really rolling out this weekend that most people will have heard of that, that is reasonably family-friendly. It's a, it's a PG movie. It's uh, based on, of course, the classic Jane Austen novel back in 1814. So it is, it's this period rom-com, essentially. Uh, and it focuses on this, this woman named Emma who isn't interested in romance for herself, but she loves to set up her friends with other people. She considers herself to be a great matchmaker. She is not a great matchmaker, and a lot of her her meddling in other people's lives creates huge problems for herself and for other people. Uh, as the story goes on, of course, she falls in love herself. So it becomes this this very uh, sweet story filled with uh, Jane Austen's characteristic uh, charm and wit and sophistication. The only problem is with this movie is is that at the very, very beginning, you see a few bare backsides, which is really surprising. That was not in the original Jane Austen story. Uh, and, and for a lot of families, I think that'll be kind of a deal killer right out of the gate. Uh, and it's a shame because otherwise this movie is very family friendly. Uh, we were only able to give it a, a three out of five because of just those very, very scant seconds of, of, of bareness. Okay. And so it's speaking of, of, of scant seconds where something happens in a film that has been promoted publicly as something that's a significant storyline. Um, let's talk about Disney's Onward uh, which is uh, going to, I mean, people are talking about the fact that it features, let's use that term, features uh, Disney's first LGBTQ animated character. Um, what What's really going on here? Yeah, to, to say it features is a little bit... Uh, misleading, I think. In, in, for I think a lot of people who step into this, if they don't know anything about the controversy and, and the buzz sort of surrounding this this exclusively gay character, as it's sometimes being called, uh, 
it really is maybe half a second. It's it's essentially a one character, a, an ancillary character, mentions at one point in time that she has a girlfriend, uh, and that's it. The story moves on right after that. Uh, I don't think that most kids would even even know that it actually had happened because in that scene there's a lot of other stuff going on i barely noticed it and i review movies for a living so i think uh i think that 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 some of the buzz surrounding it while it definitely is there and definitely should be uh of of interest to people who are who are considering to see this movie um it's not as huge a deal as perhaps they've they've been led to believe well and it also assumes that when we use a term um, that everyone like girlfriend, uh, depending on your age, like, right. If you're, if you're little and you have friends who are girls, you have a girlfriend. Like it's just right. part of this is, um, uh, yeah, is, is, is making assumptions about an audience that, um, maybe is unfair. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I do find, however, you know, that we need to point out it is significant that Disney is, has taken this step. Um, uh, I, I just feel like this, um, very aggressive LGBTQ agenda, um, just takes every bit of territory that it can and just keeps pressing forward. And so I do think it's important that we highlight and sort of become aware of and alert ourselves so we, do, we don't just simply um, allow more and more ground to be taken by something that really is a very minority position. Yeah, it's a really curious place that we're in in our culture today. And I think that that in in ages past, when I was raising my own kids, when I was a kid myself, this was something that that I think as Christians – we didn't necessarily have to consider as strongly as as we do today. Um, in today's culture, it is inescapable. I, I think that that LGBTQ issues are are front and center. We hear about these sorts of stories almost every week. I think where there's there's a new element, a new wrinkle, a new uh, coming out, quote unquote, celebration within within some sort of part of of the entertainment culture. Um, and, and because of that, I think that that as Christians and especially as parents, we really need to be thinking how we want to engage uh, and, and deal with that element in our culture. It's inescapable. It is going to be with us for the foreseeable future, for sure, in terms of just its presence, its its uh, its focal point within the culture. Uh, and so we need to figure out how we want to teach our sons and daughters how to live within the culture, what we're going to say, uh, what we're going to what, how we're going to teach them about such issues and, and engage with it really proactively. Um, from my perspective, Christianity has always been countercultural, right? You know, we we always rub against the culture. We shouldn't be surprised that culture uh, doesn't necessarily embrace our beliefs or our values. Uh, but we have to figure out a way to to live within that culture. Do we separate ourselves from it as much as possible? Do we engage and try to to um, push into that culture and show the love of Christ in in obviously a world that definitely needs Him? Um, it, it's a really difficult question for us, and, and a very serious one that I think we have to engage with very seriously. I'm talking with Paul Ace from Focus on the Family's Plugged In Ministry. When we come back, I'm going to ask uh, Paul, who is Billie Eilish and why should we care? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. (laughs) 
Uh, you may not have ever heard of Billie Eilish, which is going to indicate that you are um, of a particular generation or not of a particular generation anyway. So, Paul Asay, um, tell us who Billie Eilish is and why we should care. Billie Eilish is the biggest thing in music at the moment. She's 18 years old, just won five Grammys, and she's really taking the, the music world by storm. Now, that doesn't mean quite what it might have in, in your and my teenage years, I think, because, uh, because music is such a fractured entity these days, but she is a huge deal. Um, she sings very painful songs in a lot of ways. She's She sings about about uh, very dark things. She sings about suicide. She sings about drug use. She sings about uh, depression. You know, yeah, uh, depression. All of these things. She deals. With, she tackles some very, very serious issues within her music. Um, and I think that that the the realness that she brings to her songs, that sense of this is a real person, uh, really attracts a lot of her fans. Um, she's in a way kind of the anti Ariana Grande, if you will. You know. Ariana is very polished. She's very uh, beautiful. She has this this sort of glitz and glamour about her. Eilish, she wears uh, kind of these these baggy clothes that are purposely they they purposefully hide her figure so that she's not being sexualized within the culture. She sings sometimes in a mumble, uh, and and I think that that this just sense of pushing against sort of that glamorization uh, it has really attracted a lot of her listeners. All right, she has um, 3.8 million followers on uh, on Twitter. 33 million people have already watched her latest uh, video that dropped on YouTube recently. Um, she has the uh, the track, the the single track for the new theme for the new Bond movie. Um, you know, you've already mentioned she swept the Grammys. We are we're talking about a person who um, uh, for whom most Christians she's just she's not even on the radar. Why should we? <laughs> Right. I mean, she just she's not. She's not. Right. Um, right. She but she does help us understand a generation that we would very much like to understand and reach with the gospel. So, yeah. you know, in terms of why we should pay attention to Billie Eilish and what she is singing and why she is so popular, it's in order that we might understand the generation who is following her. Um, it's interesting to me on Twitter. She has three point eight million followers and she's a follower of none. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? I don't have that kind of Twitter outreach. I'll tell you that much. But I, I, I think that you're absolutely right, Carmen. I think that that um, actually Christianity Today wrote an article about this not too long ago about how how Billie Eilish can, in some ways, help us tap into a culture that a lot of us are are just not very familiar with. Um, she sings about issues that, 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 as I've said, are really important to youth today and, and a lot of issues that they're struggling with deeply. Um, her music, and, and, and frankly, she's a really good musician. I, I, her songs are really catchy, very hooky, very listenable. Uh, they're, they're perfect for today's age in a way because they, you can listen to them very intently, but they can also play in the background while you're doing something else. And, and in this age of, of where we're all sort of multitasking, that's a really powerful, powerful thing to be able to do. Um, I think that parents should listen to to Billie Eilish in, in a way to to know what their kids are hearing. Um, 
her songs can be scary. Her songs mm -hmm. can be painful. They can talk about some very, very serious issues. Um, and I think that that listening to them gives gives us as moms and dads a little clue of 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 the uncertainty and the pain and 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 just that that angst that that teens are dealing with today. Um, obviously, teens have dealt with angst throughout all of history. You know, it's just an angsty time, but I think that there are different concerns that they have now, and, and Eilish really touches into that. It also helps to give them a point of reference, I think, to be able to talk with their teens. Um, a lot of times these teens are dealing with things that they might not tell mom and dad. Um, and so to, to have sort of that, that, that connection, that pop culture connection can help. Um, they can also help to guide their, their kids and teens, um, I don't think that the Billie Eilish means for her her lyrics in her music to be destructive. Um, I think that she's just talking honestly about some things that she's struggled with. But for a certain class of 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 kids, they can be um, they can lead them down some dark paths. I think, and and so I think that that by being coming familiar with with some of this music, I think can help parents better guide their their teens to a, to a better, healthier way of thinking. All right. Billie Eilish uh, responded to something that Justin Bieber um, uh, was talking about as well. A lot of people will recognize the name Justin Bieber where they may not recognize the name Billie Eilish. Um, I just I do think that when we when we think about young pop stars and how we feel about them initially, we also then need to look at a story like um, like Justin Bieber, and we need to say God is present and active and working and wooing, and we need to be praying for people to come to know Christ um, and and continue to pray for them when they have these enormous platforms. Um, and we need to pray for them. I mean, you know, I, Justin Bieber is is out there preaching the gospel, and yeah. so we right. I mean, so we just need yeah, to be. It is totally amazing. So um, you and I don't have uh, we don't have time to unpack all of that. I also want to send people to um, the more screen time, less sleep piece that you have posted at pluggedin.com. So I don't want to miss the opportunity, um, Paul, to direct uh, people there. Paul Ace from Focus on the Family's Plugged In Ministry. You can find his latest piece, which is more screen time, less sleep time at pluggedin.com. Paul, thank you so much as always for joining us. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. Wow. Um, commercial surrogacy. Now, see, that's just something that you you and I probably aren't spending enough time even considering um, and the needs in our own communities and this conversation about being genuinely pro-life and this conversation about taking responsibility for um, foster kids and kids that are eligible for adoption in our own communities. I mean, let's just be, let's be pro-life for all of life and let's not be people who are in any way taking advantage of um, of the despair that others might be in, in terms of like renting their womb. I mean, that's just really strong language. Okay. So um, CBS News did a feature earlier uh, this week about prayer and politics. Um, you might have missed it. I think probably most people did. It featured the Emmanuel, uh, the Mother Emmanuel Church in Charleston, South Carolina, uh, where you will remember five years ago now, um, white supremacist Dylan Roof killed nine Christians in the middle of a Bible study. One of the victims was the church's pastor, also a South Carolina state senator. Um, and now as Christians, you and I know that 
prayer is actually a political act. I mean, we are actually asking God to intercede and and influence and work out His will in the con- in the context of human history. Which that is a that's a decisively political act. Um, and there's a lot of confusion about prayer and politics and the politics of prayer. So that is the subject of my conversation next with Kathy Branzell, who heads up the National Day of Prayer Task Force. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. So we discussed a little bit earlier that um, time is running short to uh, get the 10% off registration for the Northwestern Christian Writers Conference. So you can do that at NorthwesternChristianWritersConference.com. Uh, time is also drawing uh, drawing to a conclusion here for our February Bible giveaway, which is the Tony Evans Study Bible. Um, if you are interested in entering um, the drawing to win a Tony Evans Study Bible, which let me just say, I had the opportunity to talk with Tony yesterday at an event. Um, we will air that interview uh, in the coming weeks. Um, but this is an excellent um, this is an excellent Bible with a great reading plan, great resources written by Tony Evans over, you know, o- over um, decades of ministry. Um, and it's a, it's, it's a sweet way into um, his shepherd's heart. And so let me just encourage you, if you are um, interested to go ahead and go to MyFaithRadio.com and enter our February Bible giveaway, which is the Tony Evans Study Bible. We'll be right back. This is Max Licato wondering if you'd be willing to join me in a prayer of repentance. Repentance from arrogance. What have we done that God didn't first do? What do we have that God didn't first give us? Have any of us ever built anything that God could not destroy? Have we ever created any monument that the master of stars can't reduce to dust? God asked this question through the prophet Isaiah. He says, to whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all this? He who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls forth each of them by name because of his great power and his great mighty strength. Not one of them is missing. Let's humble ourselves before the hand of God. The Bible reminds us that those who walk in pride, God is able to humble. And we don't want him to humble us, do we? This is Max Lucado. to be joined again today by Kathy Branzell, my friend, also the head of the National Day of Prayer Task Force. Kathy, it's been a long time. Welcome back. Uh, thank you. It's great to be back. I've missed you guys. Well, we have missed you as well. Um, let's uh, let's actually start with a conversation about the National Day of Prayer 2020. I know that you are really uh, hotly engaged in all of the plans <laughs> and preparations across the country right now. So um, Thursday, May the 7th, yes? Yes, first Thursday of May every year. Yep. All right. And talk with us about um, maybe this year's theme and how people can get connected to an event in their area. Absolutely. So this year's theme is Pray God's Glory Across the Earth, which comes from uh, Habakkuk 2.14, where in the middle of um, Israel's disobedience and division and sin, God lets them know, I've had enough. 
and uh, punishment is coming, and he's going to use an even more sinful nation to come and discipline his his people. And he's telling the prophet Habakkuk this, and Habakkuk goes, wait, what? Those people? And God starts out in a series of woes, and then he stops in the middle of it. And Habakkuk 2.14 says, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And there's a promise in there. And so we live in God's glory. We know that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord is Jesus Christ from 2 Corinthians 4, 6. And so we are praying that um, Jesus will be known and his glory will be spread across the earth. Yeah, I would much prefer that, right? I would much prefer that people would come to know um, the the knowledge of the glory of God in Jesus Christ than the way it is discussed in Habakkuk, right? I mean, like, right? Mm -hmm. I I don't want... I don't want God to have to use an outpouring of wrath in order for people right. to come to this saving knowledge. So I'm, I am with you. Right. I am praying that God's glory um, would be not only revealed across the earth, but received, mm. that people would yes. genuinely be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God in Jesus Christ. It's really, um, yes. it's, it's profound. Yes. How can people so get I'm more information? And... No, no, it's yeah, good. How can people get... That. I apologize. Yeah. No, so if you it's just good. go it's to good. our website... Yeah, nationaldayofprayer.org. We have over 15,000 coordinators across the country. Uh, There will be tens of thousands of events. And so if you are holding an event, we would ask that you would go um, on our website and let us know where you are and what you're doing so we can help send people your direction. And if you're looking for a place to go pray, same place, nationaldayofprayer.org. Look at the event finder and find a place near you to go and pray. All right. Um, so I downloaded some resources this morning. I ordered my ball cap. So, you know, right. I'm, I'm in. Yes. I'm all Excellent. in. I know. Yeah. Love it. Okay. So, um, so Kathy, I want to talk about prayer and politics and the politics of prayer. Um, what Perfect. does the Bible say about praying for people in positions of political leadership? Mm, there, there's a couple of key verses that your listeners have probably heard many times. Uh, one is in First uh, Timothy chapter 2, and verse, starting at verse 1. It says, first of all, then I urge that entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men for kings and all who are in authority, so that we might lead tranquil lives, quiet lives in all godliness and dignity. And it goes on to say that this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Um, who desires all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of truth. So going back to our Habakkuk theme. Uh, the other one is in Romans 13, which tells us that um, uh, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority that which God except that which God has established. And so in that, um, we're called to pray. Now, the world doesn't need more critics. Uh, the world doesn't need, uh, you know, if Jesus didn't come to judge the earth, then who am I to think that, you know, God sent me to do so? And so um, we really need to be praying into the lives of all um, our political leaders. So sometimes, Kathy, I do, I, I'm so glad you pointed out there that that question of, of judgment. Um, sometimes in our political discourse right now, we see people who are using prayer, not just as uh, in the way that that Scripture commands us to, which is to pray for everyone in a position uh, of political authority, um, we see people seeking to use prayer sort of as a 
strategic political weapon. Um, mm-hmm. I have some listeners who um, get offended when I acknowledge that, let's say, the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, is, you know, confesses to praying for the president. Um, you know, she's, you know, so um, if you get offended when other people say they are sending up their thoughts and prayers, then you dare not be offended when they're offended that you're praying. Um, and so this <laughs> this like tendency Correct. to take offense that other people are praying about something. Can you just just speak to the desire for unity um, in terms of uh, of the way Christians are treating one another in the midst of this very divided political season? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it goes back to that first Timothy chapter two verse because it says, you know, to pray so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet and godly life with dignity. And I think that we um as the church have lost our dignity and we certainly aren't living quiet, godly lives when we're devouring one another in conflict and opinion. And so understand that a vote is not judgment. A vote is a value. A vote, is, it, it, think of it in your moment of free will, of getting to choose. But when when I speak any kind of curses, because the Bible says that blessing and curses can't come out of the same mouth, that, you know, just like salt water and fresh water doesn't flow from the same fountain. So if I choose to curse someone else, if I, all of a sudden, my offendability is nothing but my pride and my opinion. And and God said, wait, I, I'm just, I'm giving you a choice. What are you going to do with what I gave you? And it's uh, if it's to critique my fellow man, if it's to uh, judge my brother and sister in Christ, if it's to argue and devour one another, then we have, uh, we are in sin and we completely displease the Lord. All right, I am talking with Kathy Branzell. She uh, she heads up the task force uh, for the National Day of Prayer. You can find the National Day of Prayer at nationaldayofprayer.org. Um, and Kathy and I will be right back. We're talking about the politics of prayer and prayer and politics. Continuing my conversation with Kathy Branzell, uh, you can check out what Kathy is doing and the National Day of Prayer Task Force and what they're working on for 2020 at nationaldayofprayer.org. Um, Kathy, let's uh, let's continue talking about the politics of prayer. When I think of, about prayer as a, I mean, really as a political act, um, I am acknowledging the sovereignty of God uh, in the midst of situations where other people may not acknowledge him. T- talk with us about what prayer does in terms of 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 where I am as an individual in the midst of a situation in a society and um, what God is up to. Absolutely. So prayer is a weapon in the spiritual realm. It's not a weapon for us to wield at one another. It's our weapon for one another. And so realize that um, we only have one enemy, one real enemy, and that's Satan. And we have to view everyone else who um, hasn't come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, who doesn't, uh, haven't uh, experienced the love of Jesus Christ, who hasn't heard the message of Jesus Christ, was raised in a different tradition. Whatever the situation is, we need to realize that they're just being held captive, that there, there's, um, there's a darkness, and we need to be 
salt and light. We need to be praying that they would have a Damascus moment with Jesus, that they would have somebody close to them that they trust or becomes a trusted friend speak love and life into them. And so when you step into um, praying in the political realm, you are fighting darkness. You are fighting the enemy who wants his agenda moved forward. And, and re- so remember, you're praying for him. One of the reasons that the artwork, um, and I've gotten some criticism for it, but, you know, and just like, wait, let me explain. The artwork for the National Day of Prayer this year is very non-red, white, and blue. It, it's a picture of, of kind of glory, this, uh, you know, beach almost picture of glory moving across the earth. Um, but I knew psychologically by April, May, we would already be so tired of politics that seeing a poster with red, white, and blue on it um, would probably just be psychologically ignored because they would just think it's a political candidate's poster. And so I am now asking people, anytime you see red, white, and blue, let that be a prayer prompt and go into battle for all of our political leaders, all the people running for presidency, all the people running for office, that they would know Jesus, that they would live out the destiny that Jesus authored for them, and that they would live in the love and through the love of Jesus Christ. So when I'm, um, when I'm seeing red, white, and blue this year, which I'm seeing a lot, seeing it mm-hmm. in yard signs, I'm seeing it in bumper stickers, I'm, I'm seeing it a lot, I'm seeing it on websites, I'm seeing it, you know, people changing their... What is that little thing that uh, is supposed to, you know, be our picture that represents us on social media? Um, yeah. People are uh, the avatar. Thank you, Paul Perot. Um, uh, <laughs> people changing their avatar to things that, you know, are are red, white, and blue. Um, as if right. one side or the other owns that, first of all. Mm-hmm. Um, but but words and images have a lot of power. And so um, prayer using it as a prayer prompt is really good. I'll tell you, Kathy, another... Um, Another visual image that uh, means one thing in the Bible and means something different in the culture um, that has been, you know, co-opted by some um, that is a prayer prompt for me every time I see it is a rainbow flag. So I just feel mm-hmm. like there are there are these things in the culture that we if we would begin to process it this way, we could use them as prayer prompts, not not praying against other people, but actually right. praying for praying for yeah. The glory uh, of God um, to to be all over the earth, but the knowledge of the glory of God in Jesus Christ to actually become something that people not only um, comprehend, but actually apprehend, take into themselves. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, that's my hope. Amen. Exactly. And so, you know, realize that the earth is the Lord's and all in it belongs to him. And so, and everyone was made in the image of God. And so I've been asking God to give me his eyes and his heart for others, even um, in in times when I think, oh, wow, you know, (laughs) did that really just come out of your mouth? Or, oh, I can't believe you just did that. And I think, oh, my gosh, I, I I do things like that on a daily basis. I need forgiveness every day, and I don't know what I don't know. And so you don't know what you don't know about that person, about their prayers, about their background, about their beliefs. And so we just need to be praying Scripture not our opinions, um, but God's thoughts and truth over people, um, and then we will get to see the world change. So, Kathy, um, I'm I'm very sensitive to uh, 
to the ongoing reality um, in your family of the loss you guys experienced um, last mm-hmm. October. Just want to check in yeah. with you um, on that for for folks who are not familiar. Kathy lost some members of her family in a house fire um, uh, last October, and um, mm-hmm. so just just want to check in with you on that. Wow, um, thank you. Uh, we're we're um, we're doing okay, and uh, my cousin is doing as well as can be expected after losing both of her children and in, um, in her home fire. But um, that's very tender that you would come back and ask. You know, a few months later, so many people um, when they lose someone just a few weeks later, people don't want to approach the subject. They don't um, want to, they're they're thinking that they're bringing up some sort of pain in your life, but the truth is that pain is still there. And so I just want to encourage all of our listeners to know that um, it's important for people to know that you haven't just moved on, that you haven't forgotten, um, that you're still praying for them. And so thank you, Carmen, uh, for asking. And um, we got through the holidays. It's been a year of first. Both the children's birthdays have gone by now. And so um, thank you for continuing to pray for our family. Absolutely. Thank you for continuing to converse with us and lead us um, into lives that are um, marked more significantly by prayer. And um, And thank you for just the myriad other ways that you bless us. So, Kathy, uh, we look forward to talking with you again soon. You know that I love you personally and pray for you ardently. So thank you, my sister. Thank you. Good to be with you. Love you. You too. Love you too. We'll be right back. All right. So um, my friend, you know, Kathy uh, is walking with her family through a season of grief. And you may be walking through a season of grief with your friend um, or a member of your family or your own season of grief in terms of a loss. Um, And so I just let us be tender today with one another. Um, Let us be mindful of the losses others have experienced. And don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to ask, hey, how are you guys doing? Um, You know, we we walked with you into the valley of the shadow of death uh, in October, or we walked into it with you in December or, um, you know, whenever their loss occurred or particularly those who are facing a first anniversary of a death. Maybe you have uh, a widow or a widower in your neighborhood um, or in your church. Let me just tell you, those anniversaries are real um, for the children of the person who died and the grandchildren. Um, so let's be tender. Let's be sensitive. Let's be mindful. Um, and let's let's not be afraid to bring it up. Uh, and so just ask, like, you know, how, how are you doing? How's your family doing? You know, it occurs to me that we were praying ardently for you a year ago now at the loss of your mom or dad or spouse or, you know, or child. Um, and I just want you to know I haven't forgotten. It's still, you know, it's still on my uh, heart list of concerns for you and your family. Don't don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to um, to walk into that space. Uh, trust me, that shadow lingers in their life. Um, grief is real and it extends um, for very long periods of time. So let's not be afraid to bring it up as people of faith. Um, all right. So thank you so much. It's been a great week. It's a, always a joy to be with you. You can grab the podcast later today to share it with someone else. Just go to MyFaithRadio.com. Thanks to Paul Perot for all of his just wonderful service to us each and every day as the producer 
of this program. We will uh, we'll see you next week. Have a great weekend and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.